do. Yeah, yeah. All right, so welcome to the uh, Career Conversations podcast brought to you by Hunter Recruitment Group. And I'm really excited today. I've got a, an old friend, and I'm sure all of my friends from uh, back many, many years ago when I was in HR at a company called Albany International are going to love listening to this uh, podcast with Matthias Ericsson today. So welcome, Matthias. Hey, thank you. Thank you, Craig. It's uh, really good to see you again. Yeah, <laughs> let's... So let's start off by, by how we met. I'm, I was trying to think about, I reckon it would have been 2003, maybe 2004, um, around that era. Yeah, yeah, I think first time I met you, you picked up us from the train in, uh, or the train station in Gosford and drove us out to Albany. Yeah, that's right. That was my job. So I was HR officer at a, an organisation called Albany International, which uh, manufactured uh, paper machine clothing and textiles for various industries. And... Uh, and part of my job, I used to pick up a lot of the different recruits we'd had. We, we recruited globally. We had a guy from South um, Africa come and I, that was my role, go pick him up from the airport and, and take him to his accommodation and get him started. And then I was given the task of picking up these two Swedish, uh, almost backpacking graduates, uh, Matthias and Jonas. And so I picked those guys up from the train station and, and brought them to the factory. And so how the hell did you come to, to work at Gosford at Albany? Tell me that story. And that was uh, basically the end of our, uh, we did a master's in engineering in Stockholm yep. and myself and Jonas and we, uh, we had to do this six monthly or the last part of that master was to do a master's project and you could do that uh, wherever, but <coughs> often you do it for company somewhere and you basically do a project for company for six months and um, and me and Jonas, we decided that we were going to go out and travel and we got the opportunity then to possibly do it in Australia. And, uh, and then we come up and met with you guys. And, uh, yeah, we got the chance to, uh, Tell to me do about it that there. chance, though. Tell me about it. So did, you know, did you know someone within Albany? How did you get that chance? Uh, we knew... Oh, I can't remember his name. He's a friend of my dad. He works for Albany in Hamstad. And okay. he was the one that had contact with, what's his name, Barry White? No? Uh, Barry, Barry McDonald. Barry McDonald. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he so knew he, he helped us on and, and put the introduction to us um, uh, over there at Albany. And then we came and we had a talk with you guys out there. And uh, yeah, we started. Like, I had, like I mentioned before, I had this two sliding door moments in my life and one of them uh, I stepped on the train and one of them I didn't. So this was probably the first one uh, where I stepped on the train and that was by coming to Australia. It's uh, uh, I basically a long time ago I was with some friends in Prague walking on the streets there and we decided one afternoon to go into a pub a general just normal pub and we just we go in for beer and we went in there and in that pub four o'clock in the afternoon was probably five or six australian girls partying and they pretended that they had a hen's night uh, just so they could party in the afternoon they were on these tiki tiki yeah, and we started talking to them and we had fun together and we were laughing and we um, partied with them the whole afternoon and 
in the evening uh, and they were backpacking and we stayed in contact and they came up and visiting us in Sweden uh, really nice girls and we just yeah just kept in contact and from there that's probably when I got my interest up uh, about Australia uh, about moving there and uh, trying something new so I know if I didn't walk into that pub in Prague on that <laughs> afternoon I don't think I would have been here today because yeah, so did you know did you prior to meeting those girls did you know anything about Australia oh, yeah, yeah but not much you know you, not much no oh, in general but it's it's a beautiful country and um, I think what I missed in what, what I didn't like with Sweden was the weather you know like I love heat and warm, and I usually say that summer, that's my favorite day of the year in Sweden. Uh, <laughs> and you, you basically, in Sweden, you, you go there for nine months and you're waiting for the summer to come, and sometimes it doesn't come, it just rains away, and then you have to go these nine months again. So Australia, with the weather and the, the beautiful sky and the beaches, was always something that I, I wanted to, uh, to go to, uh, and that's so was, yeah. So was, was this was this, yeah. was this work opportunity that you had, so, or like the project? So, so you guys are doing your, your masters. You need to do a six month project. So you were studying engineering, that's right. There was a masters in engineering. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. you guys needed to do a project. Tell me about that six months. So you got to come and work in this. We had about four hundred staff at that time, I think. Um, big yeah. global manufacturing plant, but you were based yeah. right near right near the water on the central coast, living a, a really nice lifestyle, and then coming in and doing this project. Was that your first oh, that experience was... of work, or was that had you worked prior uh, to that? No, not really. I when I was younger, I didn't know really what I wanted to do first. I I read business in high school. And then I, math was always something that well, I was really good at. So it's always, was I going to read something more technical and engineering? But I, I wasn't sure. So I, I, I did my high school and business and then I worked for a year. And then I did my military service, which is compulsory in Sweden by then. So I did one year in the military. And Tell us about that. To... What, what, sort of, what sort of experience did you gain out of working for the military? Oh, that was good. Like it's, it's you, you learn a lot. Like I think you, um, when you were doing it, it was I didn't like it at all because it was tough. You know, like it's long days and you're out in the bush and you're out for two weeks in the forest in winter and you're freezing and it's no sleep and it's raining. You got wet clothes and it's just a pain. And when you're coming in after those two weeks and you have your first shower, it's like so beautiful and you <laughs> and then you're going to go out there again but then after you've done those that year you only remember the good things you know what i mean it's like you forget all that hard work and you realize that you learn a fair bit you, you learn how to live with other people you know like leaving 10 people in a small room and discipline and making your bed and you, you it's yeah it was very good i i, I think you it's not much more that you le you learn about military and guns and weapons and stuff. It's more how you live with other people. Yeah, okay. Uh, but that was good. 
And so then you finished that service and then is that when you started your study? No, then I went to soccer school for a year. So I played soccer okay. and studied. Um, that was good as well. And well, who was the that, school? Were you playing for Tottenham Hotspurs? That, that's who I would have gone with. <laughs> no, it was more, uh, it was soccer training and uh, you train to become a manager. So it's you, you train lots of, you did all these manage, uh, soccer management uh, courses uh, okay. to go into sports management. Was that a career path you wanted to take? I was thinking about it uh, to become a, sport, a sports teacher. Uh, so I did a practice as a sports teacher. It's like I didn't know what to do. And then, <laughs> but then, then I started to um, uh, study engineering instead. So I moved to Stockholm uh, for a little bit. That's a fairly big difference in career path, so, yeah. uh, sports and engineering. Why did you go towards engineering? Uh, I think it was more a safer career uh, path to go. My dad always said to, uh, he always was on to me and say, whatever you do, you know, you get a good education. And if you want to sweep uh, floors and uh, stuff like that later, you can do that if you want, but you do it by choice. You know what I mean? So it's, um, yeah, good advice. As as you have a good, uh, good education and then you can decide what you want to do. Uh, work-wise and not have to be forced to uh, do work you don't want to do and engineering is I always have loved math and engineering and problem solving so it's probably the right path to yep. go uh, and then I moved to Stockholm I was there for those uh, four and a half years uh, and then I had that went down to Albany for those six months and that was brilliant as well I love Central Coast. We uh, lived out in uh, the entrance, and you really looked after us as well, Craig. You and <laughs> and showed us everything. And it was not just you; it was Joe, it was Cody, and everyone else there that really. Yeah, looked we, after had, us we had some fun. We, we took you around as tourists. We introduced you to various ah. places. I think I remember taking you to a couple of basketball games. My brother was playing at, and ah, all yeah. sorts of different cool things. Played every golf course over there. We did too. Geez, we played some golf. What was that called up in Newcastle? Uh, we played Horizons. I think I took yeah. it to Horizons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it was. Uh, I, I absolutely loved it. But I realised I haven't been there for seventeen years. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that's a long time. And I heard it that it's packed now. Like it's so much development happened over there in Central Coast. So. Oh, we'll back, to go there back, the factory's not even there anymore. Okay. Yeah, so, so they, yeah, there's no production in Australia for oh, Albany anymore. Yeah. So it was, I'm trying to think, it was probably 10 years ago that all those people were made redundant and, uh, yeah, the, the, all of the production went up into Asia. Okay, do you still have contact with anyone from there? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a few people that I, I keep in contact with and, and, and do a little bit of business with, which is really cool. Okay. I still have to, um, there's a group of managers, so like Ken Knight, who was the HR oh, manager, yeah. And, yeah. and Colin in IT and Frank, uh, they get together once a month and have a beer at uh, one of the pubs on the Central Coast. And mm. I keep saying I'm going to track, track down there one Friday afternoon, but the girls just keep me too busy. So, But I'll make, I'll make the time one day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was, I absolutely loved that time. And that's probably one of the reasons why I came back as well to Australia, because... 
<clears throat> we, we did those six months there, but then we, we backpacked as well. So we traveled the East Coast, we did New Zealand, uh, and then I came back to Sweden and I graduated. I did my final assessment there in Stockholm. And that was funny as well because it's, it was hard work. It was really hard work, that uh, engineering degree, I reckon. And when I was finished, you know, when such anticlimax, it's not like you, you know, you do your last uh, test and then you wait for a week to, to get the result. And I remember I was walking there myself for school, you know, going in, you're looking at the wall, and say, oh, the results are in. And I look, oh, yeah, I passed. And then I realized, okay, so I passed. So it basically means that, okay, I just graduated. You know what okay. I mean? I studied there myself yeah. on an afternoon and I basically just finished my school. So yeah. I walked into the office there and I filled in the paper and said, yeah, I've basically done my points now or my degree and applied for the um, certificate. And it was such an anticlimax that, you know, <laughs> you do all this work and then you're standing there alone on a <laughs> rainy Tuesday afternoon yeah. and, you know, that was it. So you, you didn't get a graduation ceremony as such? Yeah, that was later. That was later. Like, yeah, you're right. You know, Same here. Yeah, yeah. But it was, it's funny and I, I draw a parallel with that with, and I come into that later when I was working at Crystal, there was one guy... He worked there for 40 years or 35 years or something and he retired and he didn't want any, you know, any uh, yeah, party or anything. It was just more and I, by coincidence, when I was walking out, I was walking with him as well. Same, you know, we just came and we walked through the gatehouse together and I was like, isn't this your last day? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, this, I retired today. And there was no one there. He was just walking Sad. himself, lonely, out through the gate, just as any other day. But this time was the last time of his 35 years there. And it was just a little bit sad. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah, and those big... things are important, aren't they? People need to embrace that sort of stuff and acknowledge that sort of stuff. I, I still remember at Albany, like that was the biggest company that I ever worked for. And uh, they used to have a wall <clears throat> as you walked into, if you, I don't know if you remember, but near the, the, the sort of food canteen, whatever you call it, the lunchroom area. Yeah. There was like a wall with all different employees' years of service. So if you'd got to 10 years of service, you got on the wall, then I think yeah. it was like 15, 20, 30, 40. The number of people with 40 years service there was just incredible, incredible. Yeah. So I used to joke with, with my boss, Ken, that he'd actually worked there longer than I was alive. Like he'd been there over 40 years and I think I was 25 or something like that when I left, 26 maybe. Mm. So... Yeah, those people who have generate that such long service, they deserve uh, that sort of send-off not to walk out on their own. That's, that's a bit sad. But that was a good company, Albany, as well. They really looked yeah, after yeah. the employees there. Yeah, yeah, they did. They looked after everyone, um, yeah. and it was great. And uh, it was sad when I heard that they were um, moving production off-site and, uh, or off, off, off Australia. It was um, a lot of people got impacted. A lot of people, because of the training and the work that they'd done, and I think it was... Uh, a premier employer on the coast, they did transition. A lot of people quickly transitioned to other manufacturers, mm. but there were still some people that struggled. I'd talked to a number of people and helped with resumes and all sorts of different things. So, yeah. but um, yeah, no, it was, it was a good place. Good place to work. Good people. Mm. Good oh, culture. Good. good stuff. So you're in. So you're in Sweden. Were you yeah. Were you going to get a job in Sweden, or were you desperate? I want to get back to Australia. <laughs> Do you know what? I tried to get a job in Sweden. 
I yeah. applied, and that's what I'm saying to uh, my wife here, you're talking to applying for jobs. I applied, I reckon, for over 250 jobs, and I didn't have a chance. Yeah. And that's what made me disappointed, you know, like, because when I grow up, like I'd done the, the Masters in Engineering, and it was one, it was the Royal Institute of Technology. It was the best school in Sweden as well. And when I graduated, like, I didn't have a chance. Without experience, I couldn't get a job. It's so interesting, isn't it? What, what, what do you think made that happen? Because I, I had a similar experience. Uh, was, so I finished. It was a downturn in the economy. Yeah. And Ericsson laid off, like it was just, you know, Ericsson, the mobile, uh, mobile yep. phone and the telecommunication company. And they laid off 10,000 engineers. Yep. And um, basically it was like in, in Stockholm and even all over Sweden, it was impossible to get a job. I even yeah. tried to outside. It's like, it's just, if you didn't have the experience, you, it's like, it was no chance. I, I was working as a, bartender in a rock club, a music theater. And it was, I loved the best job I ever had. Like I loved doing that. And cause I saw so many bands playing. Yep. So I did that at nighttime and I worked as a removalist at daytime. So I, yeah, right. it was full on. Like I had, and I had a um, roommate and I remember some days like in the beginning of Sunday night, I said, okay, I see you Friday because yeah, we wouldn't see each other because I went to work at six o'clock in the morning, worked all day, straight to the bartender job, came home two o'clock in the morning, slept for four hours, and then up and doing it all again. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And how I long did you do that I, for? Uh, probably seven, eight months. Yeah, right. It was uh, so, especially when you, you applied for so many jobs. And when you apply, like, every job had more than 700 applications. Mm. So it wasn't like you, you were just, it was just impossible. It's just uh, supply and demand, the economics yeah, yeah. Of, of it, yeah. We had similar, then, when, when I finished degree, my degree was very similar. I must have applied for 200 jobs before I got to start. Yeah, and, uh, and then, and, and you know, like if you want to give it a go, a job application, it's not like in C, you just, press a button and it's like send your resume. It's like if you really want to go for that job, it takes you three, four hours to apply for a job. Correct. So you do it properly and have a chance. Um, but uh, I was very disappointed in Sweden then. So I felt like, yeah, I felt let down. You know what I mean? And I, I started then as well. Like I loved Australia. So it's like, no, nah, I'm going to start applying for jobs in Australia. I contacted her. Uh, Fiona, that girl I knew, she was actually working with immigration as well, the 457 visa. So oh, uh, that's, parents that's helped me. They lived in Lanceline in WA. Yep. And, uh, so she got me in contact with the Southwest Development Commission, who put me in contact with some engineering companies. I applied for jobs and straight away I got, got one with Dwyer Engineering. And it was, I had this five minute telephone interview and 3 a.m. in the morning. And, was very bad connection and they asked like, yeah, we'll bring you down. We'll start your visa application and we'll bring you down here. So it's like I told my dad, said to him, hey, I got a job. And he's like, oh, great, great. And it's like, so where? I'm in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> that took my 30 kilos and 15 of them were my golf clubs. And then I just left. 
and I went down here. It was beautiful. Went down. So you had to get four five. You got four five seven. That's how you got in the country. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was funny. That girl that I met in Prague, she actually started dating one of my friends. So oh, right. she moved to Stockholm. So she lived in Stockholm, and they actually lived in my apartment in Stockholm for a while. And I was living in Australia, so we swapped places. Yeah, right. That's funny. Um, back That's then, amazing. Again, I started with Dwyer Engineering, which is a small uh, fabrication and construction company, and I didn't know anything about it. Because when I read mechanical engineering in Sweden, everything is more towards the car industry, not the mining industry. So if you read mechanical engineering and stuff like that here, it's all about pumps and, you know, like everything is focused on the mining. But in, in Sweden, everything is the car industry. So when I first came here, yeah, I just worked hard and learned so much. Had you, had you backpacked through Western Australia or had you just nah. gone down the East Coast? So you hadn't even seen WA? No, nah, I haven't seen it. Just came here. Started just went on. Yeah, okay. And then I had, I had a mentor, Ray Kirkham was my, he was the one I was working under. He was the production manager there. And, but even after three months in, he got pancreas cancer. And it probably took two months and then he was gone. Mm. And then I was a little bit in the deep end because I had to do his job. So it was just... Um, so you're, yeah. you're two, mo- two months removed from moving from Sweden, having a mentor, not knowing anything about the industry, him passing away, and then you were sort of in control of all the engineering. Is that right? Oh, a little bit about the production there. Yeah, the production. Okay. Uh, so what were you so, producing? Like mining well, equipment? Nah, structural steel, Structural steel. You know, okay. mechanical shoots, everything in WA, the mine hoppers and bins and yep. everything yep. Uh, in the fabrication and construction. Uh, but that was, you know, 2005. That was when the booming was, you got whatever you can do, you got work for. Like, so, so if you had 100 employees, you would fill the work for 100 employees. It was like yep. my mom could have run a construction company <laughs> She's a kitchen chef, you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> it was crazy. And you work 65 hours a week. It was 12-hour days, Monday to Saturday. So it was yep. ridiculous. But it was, was it, fun. Whereabouts in WA? Was it Perth or was it no, far north? south of Perth. Uh, Bunbury. Bunbury, Ireland, okay. Yep. And there. And, um, yeah, and then, then I stayed down here since then. You know, like I, I met my wife already after half a year of moving down here. Yep. Uh, and then we, yeah, Southwest is, I love it. It's a little bit like Central Coast as well, but yeah, okay. we're not as busy. Yep. I think with the COVID now, we're probably the most isolated and protected place in the world. Yeah, right. It's, um, yeah, social distancing, it's just by nature down here. It's like <laughs> you don't want <laughs> close to anyone anywhere. It's like you've got your beach for yourself and yeah, it's uh, it's a quiet little lifestyle, but it's yeah, I love it. And the sun shines so, a little bit longer than Sweden. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. It's still getting cold here though. The winters, you know, from May, June, July, August, it's uh, freezing nights. Probably colder yeah. than what it is in Central Coast. Yeah, okay. I reckon. And so you uh, settled uh, settled into the WA lifestyle. 
You're not a Perth yeah. Glory. You're not a Perth Glory fan, are you? Uh, I actually start going there and watching Perth Glory with just because I got a son loving yep. soccer. We we used to go up in the middle of the night watch the Premier League. Yep. Uh, but then I wanted to take him to live games, so we started watching Perth Glory, and I really enjoyed it lots more than I thought I would. Yeah. Uh, but. And I would love, I, I said, if they, if they go to Sydney and play Sydney again in the grand final this year, over in Sydney, I'm going to travel over there and watch the game. Good idea. But then it got cancelled. <laughs> but I was in the game last year when we played Sydney. Yep. And Sydney played so defensive for 120 minutes and yeah, it didn't create anything. And then they won a penalty. So it was devastating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was Very good. good. Yeah. yeah, well, we the Jets had our we had a grand final here a couple of years ago, and it was heartbreaking when the victory beat us at home. Uh, yeah. on a fairly controversial call, an offside goal to beat us. So, but uh, that's that's the A League. It's all good. I like watching the A League. Yeah, but I'm not sure how well what they're going to do now because apparently Perth Glory they cancel the contracts with this COVID with all their players. They don't have a single player contracted to them, and I think lots of other A League clubs did the same. Yeah, the A-League's in flux, so I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen with the uh, uh, broadcast rights, not having crowds, all that sort of stuff. It's really going to impact the football in, in Australia. So, uh, yeah, that's that's uh, interesting. That's even an interesting uh, career and, and, and employment sector in itself. So, mm. yeah, scary. Do you, do you play soccer yourself over in WA? you still playing? Yeah, I play. Uh... Yeah, cool. I've started playing. I played for Australing, uh, played for oh, probably until I was 38, like until the body says no. And I actually <laughs> got like uh, first year I played here, moved down here. I got the fairest and best in the whole Southwest. Nice. Actually, well so that was good. Did you, were you counted as an import? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that, that was, yeah, that was actually pretty good. I still am <laughs> proud of that these days. Tell me about that sort of side of it. Are you, are you now an Australian resident, or how's your? Uh, when I yeah yeah I I became citizen almost two years after because when I Perfect. moved over, uh, the rules were you be on a four five seven for one year and then you get permanent residency. Yep. And then you had permanent residency for one year and then you apply for citizenship. So it was only took two years for me. But I think those ones that do it now, they have three years on visa and then three years on permanent residence and stuff. Okay. So, so tell us about tell us about where your career's gone now. So you're still still in Southwest WA. You're working yeah, for I, L, LGM. Yeah, I am there now. But well, I worked for Dwyer's for nine years. Yep. And it became and it's a little bit funny over here. I'm not sure if it's like that on the East Coast, but here in WA. Everyone want to retire when they're 50. That's their <laughs> goal with life. You know, yeah. and talk to and even the tradespeople, they're, yeah, no, yeah, I'm not going to work until I'm over 50. You know, like that's, that was always what all people said. And the, the tradespeople, they go up north and make a killing for the first 10 years yeah. and pay off the houses and then, you know, like setting themselves up. And everyone that have a business, they try to... You know, they work in the business, but then as soon as someone comes in that can run the business, they try to retire. And that's what happened at Dwyer's. I, uh, I started running the business. I was a production manager, and then I went up to project manager, and 
I ended up ending as a business manager and the owner, he wanted to retire. So he just disappeared. <laughs> but he, it was still, it's very challenging. And then the, you had the um, uh, global recession came and uh, the economy didn't go that well. Uh, and yeah, the company didn't go that well. And it was lots of, yeah, dodgy business going on. So I just, yeah, I decided that I had to leave and I uh, resigned after nine years. Uh, so, and then I started with Crystal, Crystal Mining. Yeah, okay. Crystal Pigment, they are. So then I took the step from basically being on the small to medium sized company on the execution phase of construction to start with a larger company instead and got involved in the design phase of projects, if you know what I mean. So I basically uh, worked as a senior project engineer yep. and executed projects for a bigger company. How was how that? Did, did you enjoy that phase of engineering better than production? Uh, I really did for the first one to two years because when I first came there, they had this expansion project. So I was basically on a temporary contract only for one and a half years first. And everything was, they were going to spend so much money and they were, had 60 million they're going to execute projects for. So it was full on. And I loved it. And I learned lots as well being on that side of the fence where you, the design instead of the execution. Yep. Uh, and, but then things changed there as well. So all this, uh, this expansion, uh, they bought a plant in China and that's what happened, a pigment plant in China. And then they realized that all the low grade pigment was gonna be done in China. So they didn't need this expansion anymore. So all these projects you've been working for for one and a half years basically got put on hold. So you did this work for so long and nothing really matters. And that was something I felt really hard to, you know what I mean, when you're working for a big company and you're working for projects and they get put on hold and they get changed and they get cancelled and you feel like 90% of what you do didn't matter in the end. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yep. that's why I really didn't like. So your motivation was low. And, uh, sorry? Your motivation yeah. would have been low. So oh, yeah, yeah. And then I, because everything went bad, they laid off lots of people and made lots of people redundant. I was on a temporary contract. They extended my contract for another six months. And then after that, they tried to extend it again, but they couldn't. They weren't allowed because they made so many redundancies. <laughs> so then I started working for them as a consultant instead. So they paid me twice as much, and I worked three days a week, and I and that was brilliant. I did that for six months. <laughs> um, and but then the, the the work ran out there as well. So then I. That's when I contacted you because yeah. did, I didn't know what to do. It's like some time for something new. Maybe I just moved to the East Coast of Queensland or um, yeah. in Canberra. I was over in Canberra, Brisbane. I talked to a few companies and I contacted you as well. And 
we were on our way, even New Zealand, we're thinking about moving to the East Coast, but then I got this new job with LGM Industries where I'm at now, and so we stayed here. Yeah, so what do you do for LGM? Uh, I'm the operations manager, so I started off there as a project manager running projects, and now I'm the operation manager. We probably have around 100 employees, differs a lot you know like we can go up to 200 sometimes because there's lots of construction projects lots of uh, casuals uh, so it's basically now i am a competitor to my first company wire engineering so yeah okay i'm back on this side of the fence which i actually love more the yeah. medium medium small medium sized company you make a big difference you work a little bit longer maybe and harder but it's more fun yeah okay it's more rewarding yeah and it's different every day is different you know like what sort of projects what sort of projects do you do at guys do uh, at the moment we do a year's project the biggest one we do a cost of key project for a company up uh, a refinery uh, 20k from here that basically have uh, part of their plant is absolutely corroded and it's if it fails it closes down the whole refinery so we try to um, uh, replace that whole building without stopping production uh, so we're doing fabricating lots of piping structural and mechanical stuff and pumps and we uh, basically replacing line by line it's a probably a six million dollar project ongoing um, yeah, that's just a one of it, but it, it, it's similar. You have maybe four or five of those bigger jobs going, and you have another 20 smaller jobs at the same yep. time. Yep, and you're yeah, running, it's, running it's all over. It, it's all in the mining industry, so yeah, with the, keeping the plants going. Uh, lots of these plants down here were built 30 years ago, and they were built just to last for 25 years. Yep. So they're coming to the end of the lifespan and you see that when you get on there, it's lots of maintenance to be done and lots of yeah, re replacing buildings, so to speak, and, and piping and, and that's what we do. So is there much mining industry in southeast? I thought it was all up north in Western Australia. Uh, yeah, you have the BHP in Rio and them up north. Uh, they're doing all the iron ore up there, the Fortescue, of course. Yeah. Uh, but here in the southwest, you still have bauxite. You have lots of lithium, okay. lithium mines, which is full on at the moment. Uh, and you got um, mineral sands companies. So it's we're lucky here in Bunbury. Bunbury is an industrial town. Reminds me actually a little bit like Newcastle with the port, yeah. and, but not as big. Yeah. Uh, but it's lots of refineries around here, and, and you've got the coal in Newcastle. You know, it's it's an industry town, and uh, same here. It's very very similar. So you mentioned the the two sliding door moments. What was the second? Second one was that was actually when I was working for Dwyer Engineering. It was a few years back and I got a phone call from a guy in Melbourne and he asked me if I was interested in a job working for a big company in Perth, a construction company or fabricate, uh, uh, 
fabrication company or construction. No, it was something like that. That's the production manager. And I said, nah, I'm not really interested. And I was pretty sure that he meant it was for SIGMEC because SIGMEC starting up up there then. And you know, you've got SIGMEC in Newcastle as well. Mm, mm. Uh, over here, SIGMEC is a little bit, I'm not sure if I can, but they're a little bit more the dark side. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, and I said, no, I'm not interested. So it was like, yeah, okay. No, thanks for your call. And then, and I was pretty sure it was SIGMEC. So I wasn't interested. And, and then um, he called me couple of weeks later and said, hey, I'm coming over to um, uh, Perth on the weekend and I was wondering if you want to have a cup of coffee. And I was going to be in Perth on that weekend with my uh, uh, family-in-law, you know, my parents-in-law were going to go up there and I thought, fuck, this is a good opportunity maybe to just sneak out for, you know, a few hours just yep. to get away. So I said, yeah, yeah, okay, we'll have a cup of coffee. And I, on that weekend I went in and I started talking to him and he, he said it was BA Systems. Do you know who BA Systems are? Yeah, 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 they're, they're over here. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they were going to go into the oil and gas industry over here and they need, were looking for a production manager and he was talking, it was, you know, submarine and ships. And I was like, oh, this is, sounds a little bit interesting. But I wasn't sure, you know, because it was pretty full on with Dwight as well. We were on our way into the oil and gas industry and I, you know, um, yeah, I really enjoyed what I was doing, but it sounded interesting, like a bigger company, bigger systems, it's pretty massive. Mm. And I had a chat with him and then he called me back a few days later and said, oh, they want to catch up with you. And I was like, oh, okay, I wasn't sure if I'm, you know, interested, but I wanted to go up and have a look at the facility anyway because I was curious with the submarines and the warships and so I did. So I walked up there uh, uh, or drove up there and had a catch up with them on a Saturday and they showed me around and talked to me about all the plants and blah, blah, blah and what they had in mind and I was, it became more and more interesting. And I had that chat and I went back and then they said, oh, he called me again and said, oh, the CEO wants to meet with you and it's like, shit, no. That's going to get serious. And so it's like, oh, oh, yeah, I went up there and I had a talk to them as well for another couple of hours. And, and then they offered me the job. And, uh, and they offered me the job and they offered me 280 grand a year. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, I didn't know. Like, it's like, a, I didn't know what to do. And I told my my own uh, Dwyer engineering that I got this offer. Like I didn't apply for anything. I didn't know what to do. So he offered me, for me to stay, he offered me 10% of his company and increased my salary. So I declined the job for BA system and it almost cost me like my marriage because my wife, she already had planned, you know, the kids were going to go to school. She planned what gym she was going to have in Perth and yep. where we were going to live. So it was like, uh, but I said no. And I think I was. So why did you say no? I think because I was, I didn't have the experience to work for those bigger companies. And I think I wasn't ready. And I, I think it was a little bit 
not confident enough. You know, I would yeah. I be able to go in for a big company and take on this role because I've always been working for small, medium-sized companies. And I don't think I was ready at that time. But when I started working for Crystal, for these bigger companies, and you look at those managers and you think, yeah, I would definitely have been able to go in. So do you, do you regret not taking it? Uh, I don't know, but it's one of those sliding door moments where yeah. you, where you had that chance and you didn't take it. So it's always yeah. probably going to be there. And it's like, because at that point of time, it was beautiful harborside development where they built as well, uh, just Coogee baby or whatever. It was just like a perfect lifestyle that we could have built up there, but we never did. Yeah. Um, but I think now at the moment, like with LGM and where I'm at now, I, I wouldn't regret it. I don't think yeah, good. that it would have, because what happened when they promised me this oil and gas and they talked to me, they said, we're going to be in this workshop and we're going to do this and we're going to do this. And, and sometimes I drive past it and I look at it and I see that they haven't built that workshop. Yep. So if I gave up my career, moved up there, and they wanted to go into the oil and gas and which they never really did. They give it a go, gave it a go, but they never really happened. So I might would have been gone after a year. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. They got the board in England, so they maybe gave it a go to we're gonna hit oil and gas in WA. And a few months later it's like, no, I didn't work, so we cancel it. And mm. so I, I I don't regret it. I think I wasn't ready. If it were happened now, I probably would have been ready, but I wasn't at that point of time. Awesome. That was a great story. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. And then, yeah, it was, it's one of those that, you know, you, you never, never know what would have happened. Yeah. So listen, we have, uh, yeah, no. <clears throat> Sorry. we have one, one question here, which we call a career conversations podcast time machine. If you could rewind mm -hmm. the, rewind the clock to 20 year old Matthias and give him advice yeah. based on what you know now, what would that advice be? Whoa. I don't know. It's a tricky one. I I think I wouldn't have done much different to what I've done. But I, I'm happy yep. where I am. I'm happy with all the choices that I made. Uh, so I wouldn't have done much different, I reckon. I think sometimes I should maybe be more confident. And, yeah, that's what uh, I was going to say. Based on your story that you just told, that would have been why. Because if I remember Matthias in the Albany days, yeah. you were a com confident young lad. I, oh, wouldn't yeah, have, yeah. I wouldn't have picked that story. Nah. But then I think as well, when you decide, like when you're young and you go into your first real job, I think it's a big risk that you're going to be in that industry for the rest of your life. This is really it's good. very hard. Sorry? Yeah, this is really good tangent. I like it. When, when, whenever you go in, like, and you start, like for me, in fabrication and construction, and I spent the first five years of getting my head into learning everything about it, it's very hard then to, especially when you're growing older, to go into another industry and start over again because yeah. you're basically like a new graduate engineer. So 
it's important to know when you first go out of school and go into your new working senior career that you do something that you have interest in and that you want to do for the rest of your life because you're not going to retire when you're 50 not these days especially not after the covid you're probably going to retire when you're 70. (laughs) (laughs) so you need to have a job that you love you need to have a job where you where you feel like going to work on a monday morning and 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 i always do i always do that and i think maybe agreeing with my wife quicker because she usually gets what I want, what she wants anyway. In the end, <laughs> and great advice. That's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'm not sure. Like it's, I'm happy. Uh, no, that's a good answer, mate. And look, thanks for thanks for catching up. Really appreciate uh, you coming onto our podcast and being so open and honest about your career. And yeah, good luck down in uh, southwestern uh, Australia and, and stay safe. Yeah, it was my pleasure, Craig. It's really good to see you again. Cool. Cheers, mate.